Welcome to Politics Notwithstanding, your source for civilized political discourse in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. I'm Christine Villarreal. I'm Lelius Rose. I'm Nick Pernisco. Okay, so who are we? Um, does anybody want to go first? Or more like, who aren't we? Who aren't we? <laughs> I, can... I mean, most, uh, most people who talk politics in Seattle kind of fit into two categories. There's like the conservative, you know, talk show host, the gadfly type, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dory Monson, Jason Rances of mm-hmm. the world. And then there's a lot of podcasts that are kind of like Seattle lefties, you know, the mm-hmm. socialist types. The socialist types. I like, I like your face as you say that. His face is like... The he, tankies. No. He's trying to refrain from the, the giant grin. Well, a lot of them are really in, intelligent people, but a lot of them, you know, especially the millennial generation, people in their 20s who... They, okay. uh, I don't know, they, they're just... We, we were just talking a few minutes before we started recording about how all of us kind of were sort of vanilla, you know, liberals in our, in our 20s. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, in the early 2000s. Wait, you're not anymore? Well, well, all of us are over 40, right? Yeah. Okay, so when did... So, so when we're did, all kind of on that border between Gen X the, and Millennial. So when did you lose the faith? When did you actually get some actual, like, real, <laughs> uh, real life in, well, experience? Well, here's the thing. When you're in your 20s, you're probably the stereotypical Democrat or Republican. You know, you kind of go down the line. Idealistic. Like exactly what... <laughs> The party talks about and all these things and that, and you develop your own ideas and say, "Wait a second, maybe the, the way the party is doing it isn't exactly the way I would do it in, in real life. It doesn't really apply to me that way." So that's when you start deviating slightly and you start saying, "Well, I have to look at my choices before I vote." Well, and you've got more experience and you've you know you've seen the uh, the results of. <laughs> that's true. You've, you've, you've seen, you know, presidents and other, you know, politicians come and go and you, you listen to their promises and then watch them fail to, you know, <laughs> achieve them for the most part and then move on. Well, and I, you get a little jaded and cynical. Well, I watched that early. I feel like I'm like Benjamin Button. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I was cynical in the beginning and I'm going backwards <laughs> now and now I'm becoming more idealistic. Right. You have that too. I see that too everywhere. I mean, I used to be, I was very idealistic. I thought, you know, hey, like, for example, you know, I, something like uh, Medicare for all. I used to think, well, of course, why wouldn't we? Isn't that what every other civilized country does? And isn't right. it just awesome? Right. But it's not as it's not that it's, simple. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of things that, that sound really good on, on bumper stickers, mm-hmm. but aren't, but then when you try to get into the nuts and bolts of actually trying to make it a reality, mm-hmm. there's a, there's always unintended consequences. There are, there are. Well, why don't and that, we? That's why, my biggest, cr- you know, criticism of, of like, people. There are always unintended consequences. Right. I mean, the only thing you can do is, <laughs> the only thing you can do is plan for as much as you can figure out, and you know, the rest happens. The rest happens. Yeah. How about we do this? How about we just say who we want to to win for president, or who we're supporting for president the next time? Maybe that'll tell people a lot about mm-hmm. who we are. Like who I supported in the past, I've always voted or, for the Democrat. Or in the future, mm-hmm. or in the future. I mean, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I mean, that's like a... <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not voting for Trump either. <laughs> rather, so. rather set my ballot on fire than vote for Trump. If you're wondering <laughs> where I stand on Trump, I am not I voting for I think he's counting Trump. on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, that being said, um, I mean, I... I mean, just who, who what, what I care most about is beating Trump. I almost don't care who it is. But <laughs> well, who mostly, yeah, who mostly uh, um, aligns with your values? 
I mean, I'm definitely a libertarian leaning. I wouldn't call myself centrist so much as more. So you think weld? I, I th- well, I mean, I of the Democrats who have a realistic shot, I think Biden looks like on paper should should be the one mm-hmm. that's, that's the most that can most easily beat Trump by the mm-hmm. widest margin. Mm-hmm. Well, his drawback is that he is the most paper. He's yeah. like, he's not. Um, what do you know? What do you, what do you say? Flesh and blood. Um, you know visionary or whatever well like yeah. I, like bill maher i think put it really well when he said that uh you know you know america's feet are hurting and, and joe biden looks like an old comfortable pair of shoes <laughs> that is a good line <laughs> that's a good line yeah that's very true yeah i'd say my my uh alignments are more with someone like elizabeth warren uh who is like bernie sanders in a lot of way but i think uh just a stronger candidate and she looks very strong on, on the road as well. So I like her ideas about healthcare. I like her ideas about credit and finance and and things like that. So she the, Liz is definitely the most charismatic of the ones currently out there. Are you on a first name basis with her? Well, I mean Do you call her? Is she on your cell phone? Yes, Liz and Barack and Bernie. And I mean we you know um, Yeah, you just <laughs> text Liz to seven four three oh whatever. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, with a lot of I mean, she's very, her idea for basically outlawing private insurance and mm-hmm. saying, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go right to that. That's, that makes me a little uncomfortable because I think she's kind of, you know, ignoring all the, <laughs> all the potential yeah. downsides and yeah. the problems that we're going to have, you know, trying to transition to that. And that, well, she's concentrating on the, the downsides we've already figured out sure. in having private insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not totally going to, you know, say that, um, She's, you know, has no point. But the thing is, you know, you, you, I, there needs to be more consideration there. I well, think. sure. I'm also just thinking of, you know, for, before we get into actually, I mean, if she won, then we could have that whole debate over what exactly we're going to do. Mm. It's not like she can unilaterally yeah. implement it. I just yeah, worry I, that voters. I'd rather have the debate, though. Right. I'm just worried mm. that the message but when, when, that when she goes to Ohio or. Or, mm. or Wisconsin or someplace like that and says that I'm, you know, going to, I'm going to do away with the private health insurance industry. Mm. I have a fee and I'm not going to let you choose your insurance anymore. I, I, I worry that that's not um, going to make people want to vote for her in those swing states. You might be honest with there. I do have a very strong view about uh, medical insurance. But. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I have a strong view about yeah. medical insurance too. And it was like, I was, what am I saying here? Uh, I don't really care who I insure is just as long as they like actually number one do their jobs and number two I get to see whatever doctor I was going to see. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and that's that's a debate I, I wish we could have an honest good faith debate about this as opposed to the way it was during the Obama administration. <laughs> where the, the Republicans came up with a lot of, I mean, every, ex, I mean, they just wanted to defeat him. It was about, yeah. it was about he, that's the opposing team. We want to take him right. down. And opposing this is his pet because, thing. Because racism folks. Well, not just <laughs> that. I mean, it, it's, but tribalism, you know, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, you know, came out and straight up said, you know, what, what, what this is about is making him a one-term president. I'm sorry. <laughs> he stuck his head out of his shell, <laughs> spit the marbles out of his mouth, and said, "Well, you know, we're going to make him one-term president." And so, what they did not want is to give him a, a, a signature legislative, win, like a like a big thing to put his name on, and to say he you know accomplished exactly. this. Exactly. 
and made the you know. So Chris, <laughs> who would you say aligns most with your values in the presidential election at the moment? Well, Bernie's out. I hate to admit it because every and you know what, well, all my all, and, and and most of my friends who were still support Bernie will can't admit it either. It's just like I'm sorry, their heart attack really just mm. put a damper on the whole thing. It's mm. just like we. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, I'd still vote for Bernie's corpse over Trump, <laughs> but um, I don't think a lot of the country would also see it that way. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I would have to like go to the next most obvious candidate, which is Warren, even mm-hmm. though I don't, even though I don't agree with her entirely, even though yeah. you know, just like, and this is, I guess, how far left I am. He, she's not enough. So you're pretty far left. Well, basically, um, I'm the um. Yeah, I have to be pretty far left to balance out the extreme. You know, off the off the ledge. Here be dragons. <laughs> rightness that right. uh, that that is um threatening our democracy. Yeah, it's out there. It's out there. So. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, now we kind of know where each of us stands. So wait, where were we again? Um, you were, well, you were telling us that, you know, that you're worried that Bernie's heart attack was kind of a, you know, a reality check moment for you. Yeah. I mean, I can't vote for a corpse. I'm sorry. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's too. And the thing is the way he handled it. I mean, (laughs) it was just like, no, it's not a heart attack. It's just like, yeah, it was, it's just like. Yeah, I I can't uh, I can't I I I need I need him to look me in the eye and say yeah that sucked but it's going to be okay. Yeah, well, he is the oldest candidate in the race by a lot. I mean, seventy eight. Yeah, he made it seem like it was he was just going for like a hangnail or something. He's like, I'm out the next day. Here I am. Yeah. I'm burning. Well, and it is notable, you know. It, I mean, everyone talks about how diverse our the Democratic candidate field is, but the yeah. top three contenders are all. White people in their seventies, their seventies, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, all three. I mean, okay, Liz is the youngest of the top three, yeah, and she's seventy now. And if she was elected, she would be the oldest president ever sworn in for a first term. Hmm. She's she she. I mean, Trump was seventy when he was sworn in, right? Right. right. But she'd she'd be seventy one. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. So they're all, it's, it's interesting. I mean, she, it's hard to believe that she's 70 looking at her. Yeah. I don't think the age is a big of a factor with her just because she doesn't seem old, you know? Right, right. Well, Bernie has heart attacks and, and Biden has like his little moments where he like forgets <laughs> things and mumbles yeah. and doesn't know what he, even he's saying. Yeah. It gets a little, he has a little brain. Yeah. We already have that problem. I don't want that problem again yeah, yeah he, he has a tendency to kind of think out loud <laughs> and i think that kamala harris is probably out yeah well she's she's her she's her uh, life support uh money like uh, her uh her uh, donations have kind of dried up cory booker so. i think is on the way out as well yeah i mean it's mayor I mean, pete is getting money from from silicon valley of of that yeah, of that I, mid-level of, yeah. you know you've got you've got Biden and Warren are very much the two front runners then Bernie and then there's a, a big drop off to where you have Buttigieg mm-hmm. and uh who's the uh, who else is sort of in that in that middle uh Yang Yang is Yang is, is, about, is, is roughly at the same place as Buttigieg he's hanging on so. yeah and Buttigieg is a mayor of a city and mm-hmm. Yang 
doesn't have that kind of experience, and he's still and he's still hanging in there. I I really like Yang a lot. He, if I if his... I could just choose one of them, if I could decide who it would be, I, I would very much consider him. Well, I I think that everybody likes free money, right? I mean, he, <laughs> it, and that isn't the he, thing I like the, right the most idea. about him. He's got the right idea. He's like, thank you, free money, money for your vote, money for your vote. Well, the reason I I, I find that idea interesting of of, a, of having a UBI is because it's. Every it's everyone gets the exact same amount. What's you don't UBI have to, again? Universal Which basic is. income. Okay. So that's Andrew Yang's proposal. He wants to give everyone a th- uh, every American a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. not that he, he calls it a, IBS. <laughs> he calls it a freedom <laughs> dividend. Yeah. So I I take it I take it. Let me tell you, no matter how much I'm making, I'm making thirty thousand a year or a hundred thousand a year. Mm-hmm. I take it. I think an extra twelve grand a year could help with a lot of different things. You know, right. make life a little bit easier as as we transition to an automated life. Well, and his thing is it's not like printing money. Uh, I mean, people talking about, oh, it'll cause inflation. Right. Like I saw a meme that said, you know, everyone's uh, rent will, uh, every landlord will just raise the rent by a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. But that's not how, you know, it, that's experience. not how markets work. <laughs> oh, right, right. Just because people have more money doesn't mean the, 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 the good or service, you know, is suddenly, you know. Exactly. Some people may pay down debt with it. Sure, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's what I do. You could blow it on on, on hookers and blow if you want. You know, you could <laughs> trip to Vegas every month. But it would go or back you into may the have economy. Already done that, and you need to pay the debt for it. <laughs> well, here's the thing: he's not just printing money out of the treasury and just mailing it at, right. mailing it out. Right. He's he his idea to pay for it is through a value added tax or basically mm-hmm. a sales tax. Mm-hmm. That, which is a which is a regressive kind of tax. I mean, doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't hit everyone the same way? I mean. If you're buying a gigantic it's, boat, that's that's one thing. It, it's it. pretty hard to avoid it, unlike other <laughs> types of taxes. Yeah. Well, we, we we stay comfortably from Washington State, where there's no state income tax. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, we we have that benefit for sure. I mean, this is how they pay for like their healthcare system in Canada and the UK. Yeah. Through a VAT. Yeah. So. The thing is that the nice thing about the like in Canada and the UK, you notice the VAT is always included in the it's sticker always, price that you see if you go into a. If you go into a restaurant Isn't and order right. a order a twenty dollar meal, the the tax is already in there. Yeah, but it's a cultural thing in this country. It's just mm-hmm. like you don't put in, you know, you separate the tax from the from the right. initial cost of the product right, because right. you want people to be like mad that you're getting tax. It's this extra thing. Well, it's a cycle. Right. It's the same reason that they um, at the gas station why they why they why they why they charge a nine tenths of a cent for <laughs> for right. gas. Right, right, it's, right. it's 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 a silly thing that everyone's just used to it because everyone does it. But so I'd I'd kind of like to get Chris. You want to kind of get into our main you know yeah, topics for this episode. We sort of been segue. yeah. Is uh, we have an election uh, coming up uh, uh, next week in uh, in Washington State. It's our uh, in Washington State, we do uh, off-year general elections for our local on, races. Odd years, yeah. So if the um, the mayor isn't up this year, uh, but uh, it, but uh, we do have uh, seven of the nine members of the Seattle City Council are up for uh, or those seats are up. Mm-hmm. Only three incumbents are actually running. We have district-based uh, uh, city council representation in Seattle. So there's there's uh there's seven districts, seven uh, districts and then two there's two at large seats. At-large and those at large seats are um are are staggered from do, the uh, Do they alternate years? No, so like like this year uh 
seven the seven district based seats are up and then two years from now well the mayor and the two at large oh, seats will be up so basically all the at large candidates uh-huh. go on the, on on that cycle. that cycle so we have one every two years this one is the the off year i see okay so like two sense. years ago in 2017 we elected the mayor and the two at large seats okay, that makes sense to do that again that was a scandal what the mayor what about Jenny Durkin, the mayor of Seattle? No, the, the one before. Her. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, who resigned, Ed Murray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was going to run for re-election, but then... Uh, yeah, then he was going to run for the border. Turned out he was a to, to pedophile. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> that he abused his, his... Sexually abused his foster children. Foster children, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And to resign in disgrace. But I digress. So the big issue um, that's kind of dominating the, uh, the city council elections are the uh is uh is homelessness that's really the number one issue there's also um a referendum on the ballot to uh basically ratify um uh an initiative passed by the state legislature uh re-implementing affirmative action which has been banned Mm -hmm. in washington for Mm -hmm. a number of years uh, Mm -hmm. basically to re-implement affirmative action Mm -hmm. in uh in things like uh like uh like government uh, contracts and, and that sort of thing. Schools also, like yeah, and schools admissions well. to schools. And there's also an initiative uh, related to transportation funding that basically would cut uh, vehicle registration fees to a flat $30. $30. Currently, there's a number of, uh, <laughs> depending on where you live, uh, extra um, uh, taxes and, and, and fees. Uh, there's this... Uh, one uh, known as the uh, particularly controversial known as the motor vehicle excise tax mm-hmm. which funds uh, our uh, uh, sound transit our our mm-hmm. the our regional transit authority that's building a number of uh, light rail projects at the moment right, right. Uh, as well as uh, local transportation benefit districts that fund uh, everything from road maintenance to public transit and so chris is sitting here looking at her uh, <laughs> her ballot and trying to and and she's kind of not a hundred percent sure how she wants to vote on these three. Yeah, why don't you open the envelopes? Yeah, yeah, rattle that envelope in front of the mic. Yeah, that's in Washington State. We do all our voting by mail. By mail. So they send you the ballot three weeks before election day. It's brilliant because then you don't have to waste a day of work (laughs) or you know. Well, you you have time to think about and research the your your everything. You know. Right. But while you're you know you're not sitting in the booth trying to open your phone trying to figure out okay right right should I vote for judge you know what's their face you know. All right, you got your ballot open. This end up optional security sleeve. Awesome. Yeah, that's, no, that's get the, rid of that. Yeah, we'll just set that to one side. We can get rid of okay, it. Okay, remove this stub. No, yeah, not, no yet. not yet. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. You just unfurl it. Do you need a pen, or are you just gonna? <laughs> we're just gonna just gonna look at everything. We're just gonna look at everything. Yeah, and, and just so people know, just a little bit of background. Uh, Lel and I are gonna. Quite short. Lel mm-hmm. and I are gonna debate some of these topics. I haven't been around for a while, so I've been gone in Europe, gallivanting for uh, a little while. So I do have very strong opinions about these uh, about these initiatives. But Lel is going to be our expert and tell us what they're about. What a great time to come back! I mean, you're, yeah, I know, you're right? not even sure you're not even being sure, sure if it's going to be a, like a safe place to be. In, I know, right? I know. Seriously. Well, you are. You do have dual citizenship, right? So you. Can... Yeah, I can just leave again. But why would I want to? My country needs me. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. I see your point. Otherwise, it's going to be a Riva Derche. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, so what's first on that ballot? 
Referendum measure number 88. Well, let's talk about, I thought we were going to talk about the city council first. Oh, okay. Oh, it's no, on the there. bottom of the, the backside, actually. It's on you the bottom know, of the backside. All those, all those advisory votes are kind of like, they, they're, they don't really do Wait. anything. School district director. Bottom, bottom left. Port of Seattle. City of Seattle. Yeah, city of Seattle. Well, you don't, I we mean, don't need to talk about port commissioner right now. There's only, I mean, we only. Didn't I mean, someone just resign? On one person, you only get to vote in one district. We're not covering the other districts. Yeah, so well, I mean, but it's the same. Everyone's kind of running on the same issues. You've just been, you've just been wanting to get to this because you've been talking about this for months. Yeah, well, we, were, I mean, it makes sense. We talked about this would be the order we discussed the topics in. So. All right, so the only, yeah, so the only city council thing here is District Five. District right? Five, Deborah Juarez versus and. Davison Sattler. Right, so Deborah Juarez is Donna the incumbent. Is the incumbent, I remember Deborah her. Juarez, she's one of three um, uh, incumbents on the Seattle City Council running for re-election. And okay. She, District 5 is uh, basically north. Base, I mean, essentially everything in Seattle north of 85th Street. Northeast Seattle, right, would you say? All of North Seattle. All, all the way from Broadview and all the way over to Lake Washington here. Oh, okay. Yeah, the whole. I mean, it's not a. It kind of jogs a little here and there, but essentially the north end, everything north of 85th Street, up and, to the up to the northern and border. For the, and, and somewhere in that area lies this room. <laughs> exactly. And for the political wonks, that overlaps with the 46th legislative district, right? The state district. For the most part. For the most not, part. Not okay. exactly, but yeah, we. Yeah, the 46th. Is the 46th. Northeast okay. Seattle. I'm fighting 46th. 46th. That's what they always say. Yeah. State the legislative so, district. So, so what do we think of, of uh, Juarez? So Juarez is kind of in an interesting position is that she is um, the only one of the incumbents that is basically uh, uh, being supported by the big like uh, like labor unions and the um, not labor unions, but the uh, like like the big uh, corporate donors like uh, like Amazon like like, Am- like, the, like the like this uh, what is it there, there's a there's a big pack called case that uh, Amazon uh, donated a million dollars to. Wow. And uh, she's the only one of the incumbents that they're actually endorsing. Uh, everyone else is, uh, is, so, a, is a challenger. So, so she's uh, been highly involved in transportation policy. Hmm. Uh, she's actually kind of considered one of the more, I mean, in Seattle, Seattle politicians, it's basically 50 shades of blue. There are no conservatives, <laughs> really, okay. elected officials in, C- in Seattle city government. But she's kind of one of the one of the more moderate ones, I guess. If you would, you know, if you try to put them on a on a left on a spectrum. Hmm. But uh, the big issue, really dominating this election cycle, is, is homelessness or the city's response to it or, or lack hmm. thereof. Mm-hmm. And where we live in Lake City, I mean, it's a, I mean, you can, I mean, there's some there's homelessness and then there's homelessness. And oh yeah, this, <laughs> this is yeah, this is um, it's it's sort of. Uh, run amok all over right. uh, all over the city. It's like um, let's just say that um, public safety is sort of uh, taking a backseat. Yeah, mm. and it's taking a backseat to what? It's one of the do- one, one of the, the the dominant narratives that Seattle, the current city council, uh, tends to tends to tends to talk about when they talk about homelessness is they they like to emphasize uh this notion that it's an affordability problem Mm. that our booming tech sector has brought in a lot of people uh from from outside the region and it's you know it's we've got a we've got a housing shortage and the all this our booming tech sector has driven up housing costs Mm -hmm. and this is and, and and this is 
causing people yeah. not to be able to afford right. rent. Right. And that may actually be the case. Yeah, and and there is there is an argument to be made for that, but there's also some it, you can't ignore the fact that there's also some significant social problems yeah. that are causing homelessness as well, especially the very visible homelessness you see. Well, you know, well, in the, let me ask you this. Do you think that the fact that there's such a disparity of wealth is a problem? Like do you think that like that this greater Seattle area is home to like several of the most richest billionaires in the world mm-hmm. and we have the people in the tents on the side of the freeway? Well, and that's a huge the, issue too. The question is, about? is that the reason why they're living in the tents? I mean, what, how did, how does someone end up living in a tent on next to the freeway? Is it because Amazon drove the cost of living up too much? Is there a direct connection between those, I'm, I'm those not two sure, things? I'm, I'm not sure there exactly is, but I think that there's definitely people that look at the the wealth being created in Seattle next to the, the poverty that exists, and they, they feel like, like it's unfair. So they'll look at candidates, especially on the city council, that won't play into, like, won't accept money from these big right. Amazon-type companies. So last year, the Seattle City Council passed... Uh, uh, what's known as the head or colloquially known as the head tax head tax, yeah. or the, uh, I think they call it employee hours tax. Basically it was a tax meant to fund, um, uh, homeless uh, services and affordable housing construction. And the way that this tax was basically is, uh, going to tax employee hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Amazon being by far the largest employer yeah. in the city, they, they, they employ tens of thousands of, yeah, of workers. Right, right. Basically, I think it was uh, about five hundred dollars uh, per employee per year. Mm-hmm. They were going to they that, were going, that's on, on, on the largest businesses in Seattle. Right, Redmond has actually a head tax yeah. as well, and that's you know the home of Microsoft. But their head tax is a lot lower right. than that. So it was going to be five hundred dollars per employee per year from mm-hmm. the largest employers in Seattle. Okay, it basically essentially a tax on jobs. Right, and the, this was this was incre- incredibly controversial. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a, a big backlash to it. Uh, the idea being, okay, you tax jobs. Amazon can easily move those jobs Ooh, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. You're at, you're basically, it's, it's like, like, oh, let's tax jobs and other famous last words. Let's, you know, tr- you're going right. to essentially, you know, having all this, this, this tech boom is that's actually helping our economy. And, <laughs> and, and the, but, but is it bringing in but too it, many it, people? Is it, but is it helping Everybody. Right. Everybody. Well, yeah. and the argument was, well, okay, how is the problem really that we don't have enough money or that we're not deploying our oh. uh, resources effectively? And how is this tax actually going to affect our affect us? Is it actually, I mean, the, the argument in favor of the tax is that they're making money hand over fist. You know, Jeff Bezos is the richest person in the world there. Which... Amazon is ma- making tons of money. And yet look at all these problems we have on the street. You know, shouldn't they be chipping in? Right. I think that's a good argument to to think about. I right. mean, it, whether you agree or disagree, I mean, it's something worth considering when you have the richest people living next to the poorest people and why that why that exists. I mean, it may not even have anything to do with city council and may not have anything to do with the, the way they, they, they tax jobs. It may have to do with the fact that more people are coming here and there's no right. room to stay, no room to sleep. And um and they just come here and or they're drug addicts or something and it's this very cozy kind of place to hang out right. outdoors. But why is it happening? Is a good question to ask. So you can trace the what's going on with the city council election right now. You can basically trace it back to the debate over the head tax. They eventually repealed it, 
because uh, they there there was a movement to create a referendum essentially to overturn it. Whenever the 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 legislature, whether it be the city council or the state legislature, passes a law, you can file a referendum to overturn it, mm-hmm. and that would have been on our, our on Chris's ballot right now had that <laughs> had that happened, and so the the city council repealed it. So basically, so they didn't have to run on it. So is Juarez part of that anti-head tax group? No, they all. In fact, I think it, they they proved it unanimously. Okay. And then they had to repeal it. So Chris, when where did what was your back when we were having the head tax debate? How did you feel about that? The head tax. Were you in favor of it or were you? Well, I thought. Well, if you looked at it in the uh, you know taxing jobs sort of way, it was just like, oh, that's that's not a great idea. Why? I mean, because employers would be like, you know what? Why don't we just um, move to shoreline? Yeah, and think about or um, or you know, not hire as many people or yeah, there's that. (laughs) (sighs) So I thought it was just like, okay, well, this is just punish. You know, I don't know. This is this is punishing the guy who's trying to get a job in Amazon. Well, sure, and think about it. Amazon Mm -hmm. would have been the largest payer of the head tax, but when you talk about the, the the employers with the largest number of employees, what are those businesses? But, you know, isn't it a an argument that is, I guess you could say like a slippery, a slippery slope in a way, <laughs> that you say, oh, we're just taxing head tax. We're just ha- taxing jobs. Oh, but what's a regular tax? We're just taxing profits, right? So you have to tax something. Okay, well, think about it, though. Who are the, the largest employers after Amazon are grocery stores. Okay. So what happens if you tax every employee of a grocery store $500 a year? Well, grocery stores operate on very slim margins. Yeah. Very slim margins. So um, a lot fewer grocery stores would exist. So what are they going to do? They're either going to have to use fewer employees or they're going to have, <laughs> or they're gonna have to just pass the it'd cost probably, along to their customers. It would probably speed up automation yeah. in the supermarket. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially a tax on groceries if you think about it and that have way. Have been to the grocery store's um, self-service checkout line lately? Yeah. I don't. Oh God! It's just like no, that's it's just terrible. A, that, that, yeah, it's terrible. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Right. It's so terrible. Yeah. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather, I, I'd rather they keep the human beings, even though, you know, as 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 um as misanthropic as I am. So what? Who's who's this person that's going up against Juarez, and where where do they stand? Okay. Well, this is the. You know, the challenger is um, Ann Davis and Sattler. Ann Davis and Sattler. And, and what does she stand for? So she, she's she... also um, like like Juarez. She's also a lawyer. Her she actually uh, used to work for the the Sonics in oh. their in their in their front office back when they existed. Right. And one of the things R&D. that Juarez um, as as um, has <laughs> endorsed, as well as some other city council members, is this idea that, of having a. Um, uh, what's known as a safe injection site mm. in Lake City, mm-hmm. a place where um, IV drug users can go and, uh, and, and basically consume uh, intravenous drugs uh, under, where they're under, essentially under supervision, right, where, they, right. where, where there can Clean be medical, inter- yeah, and, and medical intervention if they yeah. were to overdose. Right, right, right. And a lot of people have pointed out that, well, okay, that's either unintended. On one hand, you understand, okay, how that could have some beneficial effects, uh, fewer right. overdoses, right. harm reduction. Right. At the same time, where the drug users congregate, drug dealers also tend to congregate. Right. And, dr- and where drug dealers congregate, there's going to be other kinds. I mean, anywhere, anything from nuisance to more violent crimes. Going they, to the strip club. 
I mean, there's not a ton of data uh, because there's not none of these exist so far in the United States. They do have a few of them in Canada. Mm-hmm. So what's the data of Canada say? Well, you have know? you ever been to West Hastings in Vancouver? Yeah. <laughs> and what? Yeah, and 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 what is it, what does the research say about West Hastings in Vancouver? Well, I mean, you can go there and look at it. I mean, it looks. I mean, it's 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 it looks sort of like Skid Row in L.A. Hmm. Even though they don't have any injection sites in. Right. Right. It's, uh, you know, I, I, there's, I, people have a lot of concerns. And Anne, when she heard that Juarez was supporting putting one of these places in Lake City, she's very much against this. She mm. thinks Anne's position is that uh, drug treatment should be the goal, not facilitating ways for people mm-hmm. to continue to take illicit drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of other like medical ethical issues where you're giving people a place to consume I mean, incredibly harmful, you know, things that that came from God knows where. Doesn't the libertarian in you, though, believe that that those drugs should be legal? I I don't. I think they they should be decriminalized. You know, the possession. I think, I mean, if you want to put poison in your body, that's kind of your business. Mm -hmm. But for the government to be funding and providing a facility for people to take, uh, you know, street drugs and and to create an environment where you're going to have a bunch of drug users coming and going and it's i I think that's that's something that could be very harmful to the to the community around that site so it really would you want to operate a a restaurant next to a a heroin injection site probably not no (laughs) it's a case of nimby it sounds like not in my backyard yeah, and well, Where the, there's some things that problems. nobody wants in their backyard. I mean, and rightfully problems. so. Well, I'm I'm watching, you know, I'm I'm watching my backyard. Name, but mainly, I live in an apartment building, so it's really the, oh. the back parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, shady shit. What do you think of the idea of safe injection sites? Safe injection sites? Yeah, I mean, would you like one uh, next door to you? Uh, no. Why? Because it's already, it's. It, it, I mean, it, it, don't you want to save lives? I don't think I am saving lives by doing this. I mean, one thing I, I I know about people who use drugs is that the only way to get them to want to get clean is for them to, for for the for the consequences to be bad enough that that they don't want to that the that the benefits of using the drugs outweigh the problems that it's causing for you well if you that might be hard if we're talking about like really strong drugs like you know like, like fentanyl and yeah it's just yeah. like you know the fix the fix is all that matters usually mm-hmm. i mean if you make it really easy and convenient for people to use this oh, yeah, stuff then, they're, they're willing right. what why should they stop yeah, it's <laughs> like the choice is easy at that well, point so i mean they've even Sorry, they've even bandied about the the possibility of providing people with with the heroin. I think there should be some middle ground here that we're not talking about that probably neither of these candidates talk about or endorse, but probably safe injection sites with with medical care involved in it should be probably the answer. Probably somewhere, the answer is probably somewhere in between. Is what I'm I guessing. mean, there are medications. Uh, I mean, medication-assisted treatment is the most, you know, has the most. It's the best evidence-based mode of treatment we mm-hmm. have available mm-hmm. now for, you know, for especially for for opioids. 
you know, me medications like buprenorphine and, mm -hmm. uh, and methadone are highly effective if when, especially when combined with, with, with counseling and, and case management. But to just give people a place to bang the stuff that they buy out in the alley and, uh, you know, and then revive them with Narcan if they OD, mm -hmm. is that really helping them in the long term? Yeah, that's why I think there should be some kind of middle ground where they are getting some drug treatment, but they're also, you know, getting that need, which, you know, if it's an addiction, it is a need uh, that needs being taken it's care a, it's of. A, it's a brain disease is yeah, what it is. right. I just... Personally, my feelings are that they should we should be pouring resources into treatment and giving people incentives to get into treatment, saying, look, we but but if you just go out of your way, if you know, I mean, they call it harm reduction. But if you make it anything you do that that prolongs the person's addiction, mm -hmm. even at all, I mean, every time it they, the people idea. who use these safe injection sites, they're not going to ex use them exclusively they're, they're still going to do drugs wherever in their right. tent or on the street and it the longer they they can you continue using heroin the the lower your life expectancy becomes sure. and so i just i think it's a misguided approach okay and and then there's the the other part is where you know they cause all sorts of they they result in the the, the neighborhood being even more dangerous mm -hmm. and and unappealing that is possible yeah so so we have a juarez mm -hmm. versus so, miss ann so ann's um i'm just looking at her website uh her um plans include she wants to create uh basically fema style uh support uh tents that provide around the clock accesses to resources like mental and physical health uh specialized treatments for the purpose of helping uh, people with as many types of problems as possible this is for the homeless? Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. Re redirecting individuals on the street to, co to complete access uh, shelters, Red Cross style uh, tents, uh, which they can uh, be efficiently helped. Uh, she, uh, she's talked about using some uh, vacant properties like, this, like the, the Sam's Club building over on Aurora as a, as a, as a, as a shelter. Basically, she wants to you know, get people off the streets and under a roof. Right, right. And then provide, you know. So why aren't we doing that, like, right now? Because Amazon's question. donating <laughs> yeah, just like, millions of dollars. I mean, by the time you get to the injection site question, you should have already been doing all the other stuff. You should be. Let me look at Deborah's But then you, as think, a site. you think about where, the, where does the money come from, though? There's no city income tax. The city needs more money. Uh, the, one of the biggest companies in the... In the world, which is here in Seattle, is not willing to pay its fair share. So, where does the money come from? Hmm, I wonder. So, well, so what do you think so far, so Chris? Yeah, I mean, why the hell would any of us want would have wanted to move here? Oh, it's too late for that. Yeah, <laughs> it used to be a, a beautiful, wonderful place. Now it's just well, it never place. had state income tax, so it was just like it was. So, I mean, that. You know that little problem existed before, right? This. Right. So I'm looking at Deborah Orez's website, and I'm trying to see anywhere where she has like any plans. She's got a section where it talks about her personal story. Hmm. You know that she, you know how she's a, a Native American who grew up on a reservation, and she became a lawyer, and all these. She briefly served as a, as a I think as a municipal court judge. Then she's got a a, a selection called Delivered for D5, where she lists her various accomplishments, hmm. like. Um, like lobbying for um, Sound Transit to add an additional uh, 
light rail stop in the district. Mm-hmm. There's one, okay, helping our homeless neighbors. There's one blurb about it. Every day, Deborah works to alleviate the impacts of homelessness on our communities and help our homeless neighbors in need. She has secured more funding for vital services such as food banks, daytime hygiene centers, and housing. She has also voted to expand crucial programs such as the Navigation Team and Law Enforcement Assisted uh, Diversion, or LEAD. LEAD is basically um, a program where people who get um, arrested for low-level offenses, instead of being mm-hmm. referred for prosecution, they try to set them up with services. Right, right. And as long as they you know, do that, then they don't, uh, mm-hmm. they get, don't get the felony. And then under public safety... She's voted to expand our police and add more training resources to establish formal community oversight. So this all sounds great. However, when yeah, I... So, yeah, but the thing is, the, con- the point of contention is the safe injection sites. Yeah, and just like, I mean, how much has she really... I mean, she's not the worst member of the city council. In fact, I'd almost say of all the current council members, she's... Okay, yeah, may- want to make a prediction? I don't think I need to do that. But... It- I don't I know. She, I think she might win re-election. The other thing, um, so one big thing uh, that actually really helped Anne a lot before the primary was uh, the Seattle Times endorsed Anne. Hmm. And one of the one of the thing, and during their the interview with the editorial board, Juarez basically said that. Uh, this was the last time she was going to run. She was kind of bored with the job and she was kind of, <laughs> was going to think about it. She essentially, she didn't seem terribly enthusiastic about it. You oh, know, you know that she's thinking about, like she was mostly focused on using it as a stepping stone to whatever she runs for next. Well, she could already do that. Whereas Anne, I've met her is extremely energetic is like, got, she's like, Oh, I, I have ideas for this and that. And I think we should have big, bold ideas and try to really tackle this problem head on. And whereas she strikes me as not necessarily full of bad ideas aside from the safe injection sites, but nothing particularly bold either. <laughs> hmm. So, and the fact that she just doesn't seem terribly respond. I mean, I've sent her emails before expressing my you know thoughts on thing, never got a response, hmm. you know, I, I just feel like she's just kind of lackluster in her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, now that she's trying to run, I don't know. I just, I mean, her record isn't terrible, but let me find the Seattle Times endorsements. So, Chris, what do you think so far? Do you think uh, you get the Amazon money with Juarez and safe candidate who you know, or you go with someone new who wants safe injection sites, but... Also has a lot of energy and a lot of responsiveness. Well, coming from San Francisco, and I, I don't know, I have a story about like this one time where um, Gavin Newsom and a bunch of other people were like running for running for mayor at the time, mm-hmm. and um, Newsom won my vote because he was the only one who showed up to a particular debate that day. Yeah, everybody else was just like, "Yeah, I'll blow it off. You know, mm. don't, don't need to do this." It's just like, well, I give it to the person who actually is enthusiastic about the mm. job and uh, and sounds like and sounds like it from that story you're you're telling me so yeah so the seattle yeah. times in their endorsement of ann says one of the newcomers attorney and, and arbitrator ann davison sattler is the best choice to represent district five covering the city's diverse and rapidly evolving north end Incumbent Deborah Ruiz has done some good things for the district and the city since getting elected in 2015, particularly her advocacy for transit, missing indigenous women, and arena development. She's a sharp and well-informed attorney who articulates both sides of key issues in conversation. 
but the thoughtfulness and charisma has not always been apparent on the dais. Juarez consistently joins the city council majority in wrong-headed policy, such as the passage of a head tax that would have resulted in job losses among her working-class constituents and broad-brush upzones over objections of neighborhoods, pleading for more inclusive planning. There are complaints about Juarez being disengaged from constituents. That was captured by, there was a viral video earlier this year where she was basically being dismissive of a guy and telling him to be quiet, whatever. In a surprising admission mission to a newspaper editorial board, Juarez also defended policy deliberations outside public meetings, such as the backstage haggling that crystallized the council's head tax position. She also says she's tired of being a city council member. <laughs> wow. So, and then they, they conclude, I'm going to skip, but... Um, Juarez has a lot to offer the public. If she does return to private practice, she could be an outstanding contributor to a regional and state task forces or work groups. But for a city council making a fresh start and needing to rebuild relationships with neighborhoods and constituents, Davison Sattler is the best candidate. Okay. So yeah. are we going with the Seattle Times endorsement then? What are you thinking, Chris? Well, it's just like it's just another job interview. It's just like you want the job. <laughs> she flunked the job interview. <laughs> she the job inter- yeah, and then Juarez flunked the job interview. That was just like if you don't want it, if you don't want to be here, you don't have. Yeah. You don't have to be here. Yeah. It's like she's kind of taking it for granted, you know, yeah, yeah. getting reelected as a formality. Right. Okay. I think this is going to be um, fairly close. I mean, it was one of the other candidates, uh, other districts, Shama Salant, who basically is a self-described Marxist has mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> got the lowest uh, of the all good, the incumbents in the primary. not the good grouch of time either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So shall we uh, move on? Initiative 1000 would allow the state to remedy discrimination for certain groups and to implement affirmative action without the use of quotas or preferential treatment as defined in public education, employment, and contracting should... Okay. Should, should, okay. So I have a... Okay. So, Question right off the, the bat about this. Question. What is affirmative action without preferential treatment? Yeah. How do you? Well, notice they that. said. Notice they said preferential treatment or quotas as defined by. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're they're defining they're redefining what affirmative action is. Well, they're they're defining preferential treatment as um, relying exclusively on something like race okay. or gender or whatever to be the deciding factor. Okay. So, so, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's. <laughs> They're basically saying if race is the only factor, well, that's preferential treatment. But if you have two people who are basically equally qualified and you uh, have a policy and let's say you have one group, this particular group is underrepresented, then you can use that as a factor in deciding to choose that person. So in, in school, if you're applying for a bachelor's program at UW, and there are two students who are equally qualified, but one is black and one is white. The school can use this. If this passes, the school can use the fact that that one student is black as a way to admit them versus the white student. Well, assuming that um, if that they're that 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 if, if we're going to say that black students are underrepresented, mm-hmm. then the fact that we're trying to increase the representation can be used as a factor all else being equal. It's, it's kind of a weaselly kind of yeah. <laughs> way to put it. Cause I, I still, I, in, in plain English, I think most people would 
consider that to be a preferential treatment. Mm -hmm. If you're saying, well, we would prefer that we have more black students, mm -hmm. therefore, uh, these two people who basically have the same resume, we're going to choose the black person because we're trying to increase the representation of black people in our student body. Mm. Okay. So that's certainly... <laughs> but what they mean by preferential treatment, their definition is just choosing someone just because they're black. Can I ask you, who put this on the ballot? The, the legislature actually passed uh, this initiative. Okay. And then, I, and then instead of... And then what happened is that um, the people who oppose it uh, filed a, enough signatures to make it into a referendum. So now the voters, we can either, what does it say on the, it? It gets very confusing. <laughs> I know it gets very confusing. I already don't remember what I just read. Yeah. So just read it again, <laughs> what it says. Cause I, a lot, this, the, these referendums are the trickiest. We had a Without similar one with of quotas or preferential treatment as defined. So I'd have to like go to the book, but then what does it tell you to do how to, to vote for? Should initiative 1000 be approved or rejected? Right. So approved means that at the initiative that the legislature passed stays because it's basically they they passed it. It essentially became law, but then it got put on hold when the referendum was filed. Right. So now if it gets approved, then it goes into effect. Okay. If, if you reject it, then it gets nullified. Okay. I, I get I, I got that much. Right. I'm just like, hmm. What so so who supports this? It's like all sorts of people. It's like pumpkin spice latte. It's just like, <laughs> how are you going to have pumpkin spice latte with no pumpkin spice in it? Mm -hmm. I know um, the no campaign um, is a lot of uh, people in the Asian community mm. are very much on the no campaign. They're saying that basically it's voting for racism. Mm. I've seen signs yeah. around around King County that are like, keep uh, discrimination illegal. Right. Well. Yeah, I mean, we did pass a law many years ago that essentially outlawed affirmative action in Washington State. Okay. And that's what this is. similar in California. So this is what they're trying. This this uh, initiative with the referendum we're voting on now is to uh, basically re-legalize it. I remember, I remember voting on this in California, but I don't remember what the result was. <laughs> uh -huh. This is how much attention I'm paying. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I vaguely remember something about that, too. Affirmative action in California, that was a decade ago, two decades ago. Mm-hmm. That's probably right around the time we we turned eighteen and like, like Clinton was still in office and it's like, do you? I think a lot of people had a different idea back then. And so, how do you feel about affirmative action, Chris? Um, in theory, it should be helping me. Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm still not sure. And does it do what it's supposed to do? Does it? Is it? That yeah. that's what I'm mostly interested in. Yeah. Is okay. So, a is is. I mean, I guess it also depends on, you know, the 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 call, what's the cause of the underrepresentation? Is it something that can be corrected with affirmative action? Right. Because especially when we're talking about an education, you know, by the time we're applying for college, it's almost too late to help someone with affirmative action. You need to, yeah, you need to help them back when they're in 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 in, in grade school, in grade school, in right. high school, so that they. So that we get them up to the level where they, you know, where they're, you know, like if you're at a, like if you go to a, yeah, well, a, a to, low quality school. Yeah, you go to a crappy school, you get discouraged and then you're like, you know, you'll you never end you up at UW. And even yeah, if you, you don't even care about UW anymore at that point. Or even if you get straight A's, the quality of your education is not going to be as good. Right. So you're not going to get as, you know, if 
you know, you, you may like they may not have the the advanced placement classes available then right. compared to someone who goes to a, a private school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I was uh, um, and not not to pick on Amazon too much, but I was recently doing this Amazon uh, entrance test, I guess you can call it, for programmers. Uh huh. And oh, it seems it seems significantly significantly biased towards young white males. Uh huh. And the reason I say that is because young, because it seems like a lot of the material that was on there was aimed towards people who are just graduating from their computer science degree. Well, those are typically the kind of people who are applying to Amazon right. to work as computer engineers. And those are typically white male and because they're just graduating and they're young. Mm-hmm. So young white males are the ones getting these jobs uh, over anyone else. So well, and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, South Asians, too. Why don't we see more um, young black males or young black females in these classes graduating and going to work at Amazon. You got, well, first you got to recruit them. And I mean, they have, they can't, you know, I mean, being a computer engineer is something that requires extensive, you know, training. Sure, sure. And you have to get them early. You yeah. know, you should be, I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, you have to, you have to instill in somebody that they actually could do that job eventually if given the chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the chance begins when when you're very young yeah Yeah. way before they apply on amazon's website that's for sure (laughs) i remember i remember in my grade schools and high schools we had computers Mm -hmm. and i knew kids that lived on my block went to different school and or like a couple blocks away didn't have computers and i feel like they, they were at a disadvantage they were more diverse like i lived in 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 a town called santa monica mostly white kids a lot of computers all around the school Next to me, West LA, they went to University High School, and they a lot of diverse kids didn't have computers. So, like you said, that leads to later in life not having that computer science degree as a choice. Saying, I don't know what I'm going to study. Well, I don't know. Computer science is never something I thought about. So, end up not having those people in your class, and those people don't end up going to work at Amazon. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's definitely structural. It's definitely. Uh, goes back to you know years ago, like you said. But what about now? What can we do now for students? Exactly. Well, uh, one of the things they're they um they're talking about the affirmative action they want to implement is for um like awarding like government uh contracts. Okay. You know things like you know like to you know a contract to like you know build something like right. maybe to give advantage to like a minority-owned business or something like that. Right. So I don't know. I mean. Do we need it? Is it, I mean, is, what do you think? That's a good question. And is it, and, and are they going to do it in a way that's actually going to be fair and actually going to help people the way it's supposed to? Mm-hmm. The, apparently the plan after they, um, this initiative 1000 is there's a, like a 10 member board that's appointed by the government that then figures out ways to promote equity in our, in our so public, like, in our public sector. So it's just a think tank that's making stuff up. I mean, I'm sure. I, I'm sure there's a more detailed explanation exactly. if we go into it and read it. I know, I know. Where is? Are they citizens? Are they like people that the governor appoints? They're like they're experts in experts. the field in the field of uh, ethnic sure. studies. So they may be they may be professors, or they may be working for a company or something. We don't know who these Ex- people are. No, the governor will choose them. Yeah, we don't know who these people are. Yeah. So the governor will appoint yeah, them. Yeah, could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Could be anybody. Could be. And I've sat on some government committees and we've had vendors from like software companies on the boards. I'm like, what are you doing here? You have nothing to do with this bill. 
Well, they will be political appointees, that much is yeah. for certain. And they're like, oh, we have an interest here. Mm-hmm. So if they have an interest, they might get appointed. Yeah. And if they get <laughs> appointed, they may not make it equitable for the people. I don't know. I, I, I always put down Latino on my applications because <laughs> my parents are from Argentina and I speak Spanish fluently. I always put down that I have a disability, which I do. But ethnically, and are you in has, any way? It like... has never given me any advantage at all. Aren't you Italian, though? Italian. Uh, were all your grandparents born in Italy? Yes. Okay. So uh, that's why <laughs> so... I say Italian, <laughs> Argentine, American. Okay. Latino is a bit of a stretch, Nick. Well, and, 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 and who did you want for president again? What? I'm sorry. I'm just like, maybe, maybe. Are you talking about? Uh, yeah, well, yes, I'm talking about that. Uh, Pocahontas. Yes, the whole, yeah, that whole thing. It's just like, I, yeah, maybe, I, maybe, hey, maybe, I, I actually lived, I actually lived in Argentina too. Yeah. So I've had the coming back to America Latino experience. Yeah, but Latino. I mean, being what is the definition I'm of, not, of I'm Latino? Not, I mean, there's chi- like what is what is. What I'm is, not Chicano. I'm not Mexican American. No. But but as someone who's Guatemalan American, like our good friend um that lives nearby here um he could be considered latino as well weren't you born you were born in santa monica right i was okay and your grandparents were all born in italy but your but your family lived in argentina for a while yes and you spent some of your adolescence in argentina yeah but other than that you grew up in la yes so how does that make you latino well, I identify with the Latino experience. <laughs> one, of these, one of these days, none of this is going to matter. I'm well, just I just think it's funny. So, but you can see how maybe someone like you could, you know, who's, you know, definitely to most people's eyeballs presents as, as pretty. As white? Yeah. That you could, and, and you make, I mean, how do you measure, how do you wait, decide? You're, wait, 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 you're not white? <laughs> well, no, he's Latino. <laughs> He could like if he's applying for a government contract. He... Hey, no, no. I'm gonna have to ask you to submit a blood sample soon. Mm-hmm. No, listen. It, it, someone who is of South American descent, whether that's parents, grandparents, whoever, can be considered Latino if they've had the Latino experience. What? You no, that's not how we define it. It's usually you know genetics and all that. Does I mean, I mean Ar- Argentina is not the most Latino country in in Latin America. It's not. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like saying that um, Kevin Costner had the uh, Native American experience in Dancing with the Wolves, <laughs> but was he always from? But but was he always from North Dakota? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, don't know. I mean, John McCain was actually born in Panama. Yeah, he, could he call no, he himself would, a Latino? No, he would. He <laughs> but my parents Damn spoke my. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Came here with no money. Came here with knowing like two words in English. So I grew up in that in that home in that environment where yeah. the parents were being discriminated against because they didn't know the language, mm-hmm. and they were getting the the low paying jobs because they didn't speak the language. And then when they got their citizenship, they still were discriminated against. So. I think that constitutes part of the Latino experience in the U.S. at least. Um, that that kind of rising up from nothing that my parents did. So I think that kind of counts. I don't know. It's interesting. If you look in Webster's Dictionary under Latino, it says there's two definitions. A native or inhabitant of Latin America. Okay. 
or a person of Latin American origin living in the U.S. Mm. So you're not really of Latin American origin, but you were at one point an inhabitant of Latin America. I mean, that's interesting. Like, <laughs> so, splitting hairs gonna, here. I mean, there's a loose definition where, yeah, I guess. So this whole affirmative action thing, it, it brings one of the trickier questions it brings yes. up is how do you decide yes. who is a member of a particular racial group? Here's my thinking about affirmative action is I, I can see how it could definitely help give someone a leg up. You know, if you're basically have the same resume or whatever, and it's you versus a white guy, it might, you might get it instead of the white guy. But if someone doesn't want to hire you for whatever reason, even if it's, if it's because of your race or just because they don't like you for whatever reason, the affirmative, there's nothing the affirmative action can do about that. Right. If someone just doesn't like you just because just you just rub them the wrong way, even it, whether it has anything to do with your race or not, affirmative action can't prevent that. Right. It's like, that, it's, it's like what Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park. They find a way. Douchebagger will find a way. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. So, so as someone who is a friend of a person of color and would consider himself an ally oh, as we well. Oh, that picture where you're pointing at me. <laughs> and 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 who considers himself an ally in the in the fight against discrimination what would what would you say should be our vote for that one chris what do you think uh i just don't think it would be if i i just don't think the way they're going to go about it would be effective it's just like mm. I, I think it's just gonna it's just gonna muddy the issue okay i mean it's not gonna really it's it's not gonna really bring attention to we're going to be fighting over this 10 person panel basically. Yeah. So what you're saying essentially is it's not about, it's not about the affirmative action. It's about how they implement the law. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I just like, it's, I don't see how this is going. I just don't see how this is going to help. Hmm. Even if you really do believe in affirmative action, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of on the fence on, mm-hmm. but you know, I totally respect if you're just like all in on it. But this is not it. This is not. This is you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not your white knight. Oh. Yeah. So you're. So it sounds like you're leaning against it. I'm leaning against it, but uh, you know, I, I'm listening. I, I'm listening to any argument that isn't screamed at mm-hmm. me. Okay, so what's the last topic? Well, the last one is possibly the most contentious uh, mm. uh, of all the uh, measures on the ballot, and it has nothing Init- to do with me being Latino. <laughs> Initiative nine seventy six. Which is? Concerning, uh, oh, here, read it. Yeah, well, the car tab. Mm. Okay, so. Mm, I think it's right under the referendum. Around the same there. Initiative measure number 976. Concerns motor vehicle taxes and fees. This measure would repeal, reduce, or remove authority to impose certain vehicle taxes and fees, limit annual motor vehicle license fees to $30, Accept voter-approved charges and base vehicle taxes on Kelly Blue Book value. Yeah, it seems like. Um, well, this we should say this is a Tim Iman initiative, which I think we were saying already that. All, kinda, things, all things being equal, bleep Tim. T- Tim Iman is a is a is a guy who files a lot of uh, ballot initiatives in Washington State, usually having to do with. Uh, with, with and you know wanting to do away with taxes yeah right so th- there but but this this issue kind of muddies the water a little bit because it definitely has the tax reduction 
like the registration fee would go from like two hundred and sixty three dollars on your wife's car to to thirty. So it's like where well, yeah. does that other two hundred thirty go? It, it takes base. The, the pro, I mean, the thing about this initiative is it takes the the, the broadsword right. <laughs> to a to a problem where that really should be addressed with a scalpel. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Basically, they're yeah. It's like resetting the matrix. We're going to pick from the state. <laughs> 23 people, 16 females, 7 males to rebuild Washington's highway system. Right. So people are flipping out all over <laughs> Washington State, or especially locally here in Seattle, because this uh, initiative could basically blow up the transportation funding yeah. for the funding for our sound transit light rail that's mm -hmm. currently under construction, Something which is funded through, um, which is funded through um, a, a, a a levy that was passed in 2016 imposing what's known as a motor vehicle excise tax mm. on car registrations. So uh, they were expecting that they'd have this money to pay that bond back. Well, yeah, I mean, they've, they've sold bonds on it all, all, already. But anyway, here's, here's, the, here's why this thing actually has a, <laughs> a possibility of passing. It's because the formula that they use to calculate the, uh, the, the excise tax on your vehicle, which mm -hmm. is supposed to be 1.1% of the value of your vehicle, mm -hmm. that, uh, that in, instead of using what pretty much everybody uses to determine the value of a used Blue, car, Blue the Kelly Blue Book, Blue Book yeah. they sort of, Sound Transit sort of snuck in um, this other formula, which is this depreciation formula that's based on the car depreciating at a specific percentage rate every year, which basically, it, it has no basis in reality. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it vastly overvalues uh, the car, so and it gives you, them a bunch of extra money. Can you give me an example? Like, like tell me, like, I think you said you saw, you saw something about a car that was like 15000 Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting. I, <laughs> it's, the formula is so convoluted, it's almost hard to explain. Let me see if I can look it up. Well, okay. Are you sure you want to bother with that? It's going to be like convoluted. Right. Basically, what it comes down to is uh, the formula. It ends up being a lot more than than what people thought it was going to be. Mm. And when, after the voters approved the the Sound Transit's uh, tax, they started getting their vehicle registrations, mm. and and there was oh, no. widespread sticker shock all yeah, over the state. Imagine. You know, they said it's okay. It's going to be one point one percent of your car's value. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I have a, you know, like a like a you know, a car that's a few years old, but let's say it's worth $10,000. What's 1.1% of $10,000? Right, not that much. $10. Huh? $110. Right, so that doesn't sound that bad, does it? But under their formula, it's more like $15,000 or so, or $20,000. So... So you're driving like a, a hoopty Honda Civic. Yeah, and they're the hitting you up for a couple hundred bucks of tax on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, is way more than you were expecting. Oh, yeah. overvaluing, overvaluing, overvaluing something for tax purposes. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds like some serious Trump shit. Oh right yeah, I wonder who does that. Yeah. Exactly. Or let's say you want to buy kind of a nicer car. You know, let's say you buy a forty thousand dollar like SUV or something. How much would that one point one percent of that be? Yeah. Be a lot higher. Four hundred bucks. That's and that's yeah. That's just the the that's just the tax. That's not even the registration fee. Right. And then we have these other um, fees known as a, a um, regional uh, transportation benefit districts, mm -hmm. which range anywhere from ten up to eighty dollars, which yeah. fund local uh, transit like like buses and and whatnot. So essentially, the people in the legislature and in government are scared. A little bit because the difference between four hundred dollars 
And $30 is huge. Well, and here's the thing. So somebody's going to have to pay the difference there. They've also imposed um, a $75 uh, fee on hybrid vehicles to fund uh, the building of electric vehicle charging stations. That's as dumb as charging Amazon per <laughs> head tax. It's like you want people to drive hybrid yeah. vehicles. So if you have a, if you have a, if you have a, if you're an Uber driver and you have like a five-year-old Prius, you have to pay $75 That's to fund charging price. stations for people with their $100,000 Teslas. That's ridiculous. Okay, now, would it be fair to say that the people, I, I, this is just a guess here, but I'm thinking the people who wrote the initiative are thinking that um, if they reset all, if they reset all these taxes, then the legislature would somehow be forced to compensate for that somehow. I mean, they'd have to, <laughs> you know. And, but it was just like, but you know, it falls under the land of not Tim Iman's problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, Tim Iman is basically trying to put an. I mean, his thing is he's been, he's run on this $30 car tab thing before. He, he opposes any additional taxes on vehicle registrations. He sure. thinks a little, that little piece of plastic sticker that they send to put on your license plate, you know, I mean, it costs probably 10 cents to make. $30, he says, is more than enough to cover the cost of registering. He yeah. considers it an, 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 an excess of government. Yeah, to, but roads. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Road maintenance is primarily paid for with the gas tax, which we have the highest gas tax in the country. Okay. You know, more than, I mean, what is our, what is our per gallon gas tax? You're looking at me? It's it's like 60 some cents, I think, or something like that per gallon. And they should paste that on every gas pump. Let me see. I know what it is. Because I have no idea what it is. Hold on, I'll look it up. You just... Pump gas and it ends up being thirty-five dollars. Yeah, well, it's and, built and, into the price. So. Yeah, it's built into the price. That's what I'm talking about. They should build everything into the price, or you're not sixty-seven point like eight. That would make sense. Gasoline and sense. diesel is sixty-seven point eight cents a gallon. Whoa. And tax. Whoa. So most of the the fees that they're they're tacking onto our car tabs are about non-road related things to right, be honest right. maybe the maybe the people at weights and measures are just like wait a minute it's just like sixty-seven cents of this. If this gallon is not getting into my tank, let's mm-hmm. roll with that. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, and the uh, thing is, it's, it's also variable because when the price of a gallon of gas goes up or down, that that percentage changes of that tax. Yeah, but it's still so a hefty if, amount. If it goes down, and let's say there's like a huge flood of oil in the market, and gas is two bucks a gallon, you're paying, you know, thirty three percent tax on on that gallon of gas. So I can see how people could be upset about that. So every every time, for the mo- on average, every time you fill up, you're paying around probably around ten bucks, depending on what kind of vehicle. Anywhere um, between yeah. you know eight to fifteen bucks, per, depending on how many gallons your yeah, your car holds. Yeah, sure, sure. It's it's not nothing. <laughs> no, sure, sure, it's not. Yeah. And so, and and all these extra fees are going to fund things that are not having to do with your car really yeah. it's like 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 but bus car, and transit service so on the other hand the car doesn't work alone right right and the other thing that's been pointed out is that the state of washington has about three and a half billion dollar revenue surplus mm. so there i mean the city the state is sitting on a bunch of money and according to the seattle times would it, would it make up for that uh shortfall well i mean i think it's they call it the rainy day fund it's the a rainy day. they don't really necessarily want to dip it I mean, about two billion of it but this uh, 976 would cut about 58 million out of lo- from the local transportation benefit districts. Sound Transit would lose 328 million. Uh, state transportation funds would lose about 302 million, and then about. I'm trying to remember. 
Looks they'd, have like to, they'd have to refund all this. About stuff. 400 million in um, a, bunch, a few other accounts. So, wow. let's see. Can you add this up, yeah. Chris? Because my hands are full. What? You have, I think, you, oh, do you have a calculator? I think you're. I have a calculator. I just don't have the figures. I, I just want to figure out how much. I have the figures. Uh, how much this would cost us? Boring. <laughs> yeah, calculator time. Ready? Okay. 58 plus 328 plus 302. Plus, when they read it so small. To get into the light. Uh, 20, 247 plus 45, 15, 14. 45, 15, and then 14. You really, yeah, you just gave me like a six-digit number right there, and I was like, <laughs> what? Those are three. <laughs> 949. Okay, so it costs about $949 million. Okay. Is how much. Okay. But the rainy day fund is there for a uh, certain mm-hmm. reason. I mean, rainy days might be coming. We don't yeah. know. And so... Oh, rainy days, are, there's... We we might be heading for a shortfall in the budget in in next this year's is true. Um, budget. So you don't think this? We, our <laughs> we think we need to uh, be careful with what we right. where we get our money from. Still, it's a lot to be asking us to cough up for when they're sitting on all this money. It is, and they're confusing the issue also by the fact that like they're saying they're going to charge us less money, but they're also going to charge us. Based on the blue book value, mm-hmm. so people are like, "Oh, cool, blue book value. That that makes more sense. That's more fair." Right. At the same time, I want to keep those, those, you know, those, Here, that money. Here's the place. thing: if the state legislature has had the opportunity to correct this depreciation thing by changing it over to the Kelly Blue Book, right. Sound Transit just was like, "Well, we don't. We need. We've already sold the bonds. We want." You know, they could have taken a small hit that they could right. have figured out how to how to do. But instead, they failed to act because they figured, you know, that there wasn't enough, you know, political pressure on them to do it. Mm-hmm. And so Tim Iman comes along and files this thing. And I'll tell you personally, I would not even think about voting for it had they fixed the the Kelly Blue Book right, thing. Right, if they right. if they were at least if if the if the tax were at least fair and honest, yeah, I mean, we voted for it. It got approved. However you feel about it, it got voted on right, and settled right, right. It, and then they, they it turned out that they were essentially not being completely honest with us yeah. if they had at least gone in and fixed that i would be like no i'm not even going to think about voting yeah. for it because right. we these i want to see these projects built but the fact that they failed to act and now we have this thing in front of us yeah. it's the it's ba- i feel like it's the only way for the voters to really express their displeasure that mm. you know if we just let them so, slide. So they're they're not nothing's gonna happen. Here's you know, thing, we though. can still we can still vote for this and then have another. You know, they they can. Here's the thing, though. Reinstitute it, it if they want. It, it seems it seems like to me like a Brexit a Brexit issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel it, like I'm voting for Brexit. It's like it's like you have to vote all this crappy <laughs> stuff just to get this one thing that you really really right. want. And and like to, a, to me that's like a no. That's it's like, like a K-Tel no. album. You only want the one song. Well, and it's like with, <laughs> and like with Brexit, yeah. a lot of people voted leave even though they didn't really want to leave because they wanted to send a message because right. they and they didn't actually think it was going to pass. Right. Right. And then they're like, damn, I wouldn't have voted for it if I thought it was. So, if so I thought I it could actually. Pass. To me, it's much easier to say no to this and get the legislature to fix that that whole blue book issue mm-hmm. than to revote all of those other things that are on there yeah. on the registration fee that we need 
that's 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 the logic that a lot of people are saying. That's what the Seattle Times says. Yeah. And I'm like, well, will they? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good question. Like, I don't know if I or will they take this as a mandate to keep you know like hitting us with heavy dishonest taxes? Right. So what should I do, folks? Should I um, if if I can't I... tell you what to do on this one. Yeah. No, nobody can. Yeah. And I don't know. God, I wish we had like a live poll or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Because really, because really, I, I'm screwed either way. Right. I mean, you know, just. Well, you know, I'm either I'm either I'm either paying the car tab, or I'm losing something very well, important. Yes, it's unfair the way they calculate the values of the registration fees, but. No, I don't want to get rid of that funding for sound transit and for all those other things that we need. And I think the legislature can come back and fix the the blue book thing if there's political will. But I doubt that there's going to be political will. To yeah, it's, it's in my personal interest to keep sound transit funded. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever seen me drive my friends around town oh. all the freaking time. Uh-huh. They, you know, it's just yeah. like I mean, if you have, have you tried to get from one part of town to another without going through downtown, that's just yeah. ridiculous. So that, that's that's me. That's where I stand. Nobody would, and I would just say that nobody would even, you know, this. A lot of people would not be even considering doing this had it not been for the fact that they failed to act. Right, right. So no, I understand. This podcast episode brought to you by the Hill Valley Department of Transportation. <laughs> where we're going, we need roads. All right, so I think that um, all I'm going to say is I think I might vote for it, but I, I'm kind of hoping it, almost hoping it doesn't pass. <laughs> I feel like it's I'm like it's it's the Brexit dilemma. It's for me. A, you're a Brexit voter, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, okay, because mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to essentially validate what they've done. At the same time, I don't necessarily want to, to set our whole transportation budget on fire. But I think there's been a lot of you know dishonesty. Mm. Like I'm, I'm probably gonna vote no on this mm-hmm. because, because I want, I want this, I want the sentence to be true. Don't blame me for this. I voted <laughs> blank, and I think the correct answer is no. Right? Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> it certainly is not the ideal <laughs> way to do it. So it's mm-hmm. so. Um, I think this has been a great first episode, and. If we put it out there and see if people like it, maybe we'll do some more. And uh, let's see if our friends like it first. Yeah, 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 I think so. I think they might. I might, I might listen to this in the car as a podcast. Oh yeah, what's good? I'm great. It's like life. It's like life cereal. It's like Tony. Tony likes it. <laughs> he's our most. He's. I think he's. I think he might be our most politically. Passionate? Passionate. That's a good word. He definitely has uh, strong opinions. If we put this on Facebook, there may be a flame war that erupts. Yeah, maybe. We should have him on as a guest. We should. Yeah. We need to slow down the roll, the, the tape, though. We need to slow down the tape, though. Which is <laughs> yeah, us, uh, us like, uh, Chris, we need to speed you up by 25% and slow him down by 25%. Uh, well, yeah. Like, I don't have... I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that Road puts it in their next firmware update. Okay. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that was... Been a great I'm... episode of Your Name Here. Yep, Your Name Here. Um, Your Name Here. <laughs> thanks uh, all for joining us. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm Chris Villarreal. I'm Lelius Rose. I'm Nick Pernisco. See you next. On Your Name Here. Time. <laughs> Time. <laughs> Yes, we'll put yeah. Bye. Thank you, bye.